Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. where we have the freedom to think about life without judgment. We take a look at society, we examine it, and we allow for the possibility of something new, something different. And now, here's your host, Alan Ritter. Welcome, everyone, to this January 20th, next-to-last show in January 2019, and I am on the eastern seaboard of the United States, near Philadelphia, just across the river, across the Delaware River in New Jersey from Philadelphia. And it is anomalously cold here tonight. I believe the temperature is supposed to get down to 8 degrees Fahrenheit. And I guess the Kansas City Chiefs just scored a touchdown and are now ahead of the Patriots. Otherwise, my roommate's going crazy downstairs. That's awesome. <laughs> And um, it's just, uh, it's been a very incredible week for me um, on a lot of different uh, fronts. And as always, I can't talk to you. It's not any fun. To, for me to pedantically talk about uh, the structure of the universe or the structure of experience, although I sometimes do, and that's really kind of dry. But honestly, when I started doing my shows, which was in 2017, I was about to make a fateful decision with respect to getting up in the middle of the night and going to a market and getting a really really low-cost bunch of produce for my produce business. 
And this stuff basically, you know, this stuff was sold like hotcakes. And um, it, but the the thing was getting up at that hour was really impacting my quality of life. I would just almost get back to an even keel of the following Sunday, and then I'd be just I'd just be dreading getting up at 2 a.m. It would just be like, oh, I'm going to get hit the hammer again. So push games to shove and a whole bunch of uh, cards collapse and a whole bunch of personal realizations like, why am I doing this? And what happened as a result of me stopping um, doing that drive, what happened was my business crashed and sent me through, that was in, I believe, March of 2017. And that caused me to personally to have some hard times because I was you know, feeling, oh, I can uh, I can afford um, things that I hadn't been able to afford for a few years. I was actually making some money in produce. And so I, I had to really look at, I mean, it's, it's not, you don't learn your motivation or you, Universally, I have never found that I learn anything about myself when things are going well. I only learn about myself when things are going really, really badly or when things are extremely challenging. And... I basically got to the point where I wasn't earning any money and I was basically overdrawing uh, and just basically I was like, you know, what am I going to do? And point when your business isn't doing well and you're like, okay, I could run away. That you look in the mirror and you look in the mirror and, or I didn't look in the mirror, I just lay in my bed and I said, um, I'm not going to stop doing this business. And I don't care. I don't care what happens to me. I don't care if I starve to death. I'm not going to stop doing this business. This is my this is my business. And so when you actually get to a point where you close the door. Now I could have opened the door and I could have stopped, but that wasn't um that was no longer you know you can't. You could have. It's it's a it's a mathematical possibility. I basically removed it from my choices. I said, um, 
it doesn't matter what I have to eat. It doesn't matter, you know, how I have to go about this. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to push forward and make this work. They'll, they'll have to drag me away from this. You know, it'll, it'll have to be a, a pretty uh, disgusting, abject situation for me to stop. And somewhat, and what I learned about business is that in order to be in business and even to begin to start to turn the corner, you have to be in business for a certain number of years. Nine years is a common number. And in my business, I'm not doing something normal. So I'm not selling, I'm not, I'm not a barber. I'm not, I don't have, I don't sell haircuts. Uh, people are used to having a, a door open, walk in and sit down and get their haircut. I'm not doing that. I'm not a produce store. People don't walk into a, a, re, a, a place with lots and lots of displays. They walk into a garage. It has open boxes, a selection of items that they've already read about and have, most in most cases, already paid for. So I'm not doing something normal. I'm doing something abnormal. Kansas City just picked the ball off. It's pretty funny. And it's really it's really in that in that moment that you learn you learn something. And you learn about who's in charge of your experience. And it's a very powerful lesson. And you learn that you're in charge of your experience. To some extent. Because you have to come to the realization um, that you're going to be unreasonable and that you're going to be obstinate and you're going to be a, a, you're just going to, you're just going to be there. And end of last week's show, or maybe as a as a part of last week's show, I sort of got into an analogy of what I'm talking about. And the analogy that I used last week was you see a doorway in a wall that doesn't exist going in the direction where nothing exists except your vision of what will be. That is a spiritual journey. Let me let me take a step back. All journeys and all Steps by all beings are spiritual journeys. They build 
um, they build their character. But it is very different. And this is probably egoic on my part and self-aggrandizing on my part, but I don't care at this point because I'm trying to make a point. It is very different to walk on a path upon which millions and millions of others have walked. Yet you, or in this case, I'm talking about myself, I'm not, I'm not just talking about the Produce Club. The Produce Club is just the beginning. Produce Club is the beginning, of an, or beginning to organize people around, around a set of ideas. The ideas that are represented by the concept that flowers about an emerging forest. About fertility. About fertility of the body, the mind, the spirit, the opportunities. That's what an emerging forest is about. That's, I mean, I have a candidate to swear to touch down. <laughs> that to put them up 28 to 17. See, it's this, it's this robustness in life. It's all of it coming in at once. It's accepting what's going on. It's just it's it's so amazingly wonderful. Even if something even if even if your business is falling apart, even if your life is falling apart, especially especially if you are in the deepest, darkest pit of absolute suffering. That is an amazing time. And nobody likes me to, nobody wants me to talk about it. Nobody wants me to talk about it with them. But I, I've got, I've got one person that I talked to for two years, doing it, I mean, it's probably three years, and she understands because I coached her out of it. Even though I was like, okay, what am I doing talking to this person? She's off her rocker. I just persisted. And now she's she's just the most solid and invulnerable person. And I have to say, so was I. I was just like, I was such a, a leaf in the wind. I didn't stand for anything. I didn't stand up for anything. I didn't have a direction. And then I dropped, the big I dropped everything on the little I. And the little I basically said, I can't possibly sort through this, support this, lift this up, this on my back, convert it to zero weight, convert you know, just basically the worst circumstances just un, unsolvable puzzles. And I solved them. And 
passion is about. Passion is about I know what I'm capable of and I don't care how many I actually want to know what I'm capable of. And the next thing is kind of a little odd interjection, but I think you'll understand where I'm coming from. You sort of begin to look at the world and you sort of begin to say, we've been told that we live in a logical, reasonable, rational globe that responds to the laws of physics and natural process. And that's the education that we've received. And then at some point in your life, the those assertions, those facts, begin to get shot full of all kinds of holes. And you start to question the nature of reality. You start to question, do the, you know, You've sort of figured out that there's a certain level of fraud going on in the world. And then you start to figure out that there's a huge amount of fraud going on in the world. And then you start to figure out that the description of the world is a fraud. And then you start to figure out how weird. So. Here's an example of weird. In 2017, there were a bunch of fires, general, and I'll talk about in Santa Rosa, California, specifically. And let me paint you a picture of this street that I saw in the Santa Rosa area. So there's this street. On each side of the street is nice suburban houses. One side of the street, up one side of the street, and down the other side of the street. Let's say there's a total of 40 houses. You look away from the scene and looking down on this street, and there's 20 houses on each side of the road. Really close, within 10 or 15 of these houses, there's trees for shade and stuff. Okay. And there's these trees. And what the fires did is the fires burned incredibly hot in the houses. After watching a particular fire captain's description Normal uh, temperatures for fires is about 1,000, maybe 1,200 degrees. I believe that that's probably Fahrenheit. And these fires burned in the two to 3,000 degree area. <coughs> in addition to that, there was a call from a, um, a recording from a... Um, a 
police, I, sorry, a fire, a fire radio, and it was saying there was no place for them to set up, that all of the fires were starting up and down the street at the same time. There wasn't a natural process. There wasn't a wind blowing fires. There was just everywhere. So let's just back off to the physical evidence. The physical evidence was that these fires burned, these, this fire burned each house so, with so much heat, well beyond what is uh, typical for the combustion of the materials in the house, a lit by a quote-unquote normal fire much, much hotter, but they burned the house to the ground to dust. Of course, where else have we seen to dust? We saw to dust in 9-11. And the absolutely makes it like Something that just you just look at the pictures and and your world changes because on both sides of the street the trees are untouched. Trees are green and it's, you know you basically say, well, a wind swept the fire, swept a forest fire into the neighborhood through the trees, burned the neighborhood, and swept the fires out of the neighborhood to its next location. But that is obviously not what happened. So we're removing ourselves to the land of Sherlock Holmes, where you say you eliminate the explanations that are not possible, and you include the explanations that are possible. This uh, fire captain was being interviewed, and he said, in my experience, the thing I started researching right away was erected energy weapons. You know, I know you're looking you're looking at whatever device this is coming out of and you're saying, okay, Alan has completely lost his mind. No, I'm not. I'm just relating a story that I saw on YouTube. The reason I'm relating it to you is because this is a gentleman who taught safety courses, taught survival courses for firemen, because he had he had been asked to research a bunch of case studies where firemen died in fires. And he looked at the evidence, he looked at photographs, he drove the area, he talked to people, and he basically said, not a fire, it came in by the forest, obviously, because there's the forest. It burned way too hot, and it also like punched holes in engine blocks. There's nothing, there's no, nothing in an engine block to burn. 
I mean, the, the fire wouldn't even hang out there. There's no, there's no fuel. So it just, it just doesn't make any sense. So if you're willing to look at that and say, if you're, if you're, if you can't make the leap to say, I don't know what's going on here, but it's not any, it's not a forest fire. Because if you're able to do that, then your, then your entire universe changes. Your entire universe changes from, oh, this was a campfire set by campers or something like that. Into, it changes to something else. And what it changes to is, I don't know what's going on here. Anything that I would understand physically could happen. And that's a huge leap. Now, we've seen this before. We see this in medical practice. They don't understand anything. They're barbarians. We've seen this with the money system. The money system is a criminal, criminal enterprise. We've seen this in 9-11, where none of the official explanations made any sense. To me, this is what's going on. Continuously applied wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. It's, ah, this is what's going on. And over here is the explanation. If you want to go back to bed, you'll have to believe the explanation. But what we're doing is we're, you know, Sending the grains of sand through the sieve and seeing which ones get caught and which ones go through and go back to bed. And there is no wrong move. You either have enough experience and your grain of sand is too big and you get caught in the sieve you're going to go do something else with your life now. Maybe you need some motivation or something like that. But my grain of sand is going to be getting caught again and again and again. Every time I see this, it's just another corroboration. Except this is just every time it's just another kick in the ass. That's another level of motivation for me. And I'm already moving out with my project and Emerging Forest. I'm already moving out with my project, Produce Club. And I'm already talking to people by recording these and putting them out. And that ends the first segment of the show. And... I am going to play one of my favorite songs, Dave the Bard, Green and Gray. See you in a few minutes.
the first of May A man in black came walking into a woodland glade Following the sounds of pipes on this beautiful spring day High from the music that they made But what beheld him within that place A look of recognition fell across his face Oh Lucifer, oh Lucifer, why do you appear to me? For I am a man of God, a priest I'm no devil
tune in to International Pagan Radio. You can hear your favorite artists such as Dave the Bard, Tuatha Dea, Spiral Rhythm, S.J. Tucker, Murphy's Midnight Rounders, and many, many more. Join us for exciting shows like Ask a Witch and Storytime with Rook as well. www.internationalpaganradio.com on the net or on TuneIn Radio on your mobile devices. Join us on Facebook and Twitter too. International Pagan Radio, all pagan, all the time. Welcome back to an emerging forest on the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. We hope everyone was able to stretch their legs and get a drink. And now, back to Alan. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me on the other other side of the break. The number to call in if you are interested in calling in and being on the show is 646-564-9714. That number again is 646-564-9714. So it's not talking about the Santa Rosa fires and is a is an example of a challenge to consciousness. It's an example of a logical challenge to your mind. And it's basically saying something to you and it is crafted by the people that are creating the event. It's crafted to say, are you your own individual and will you walk your own road? Or are you still one of the sheep, one of the herd, one of the group? And it doesn't matter if you are or if you aren't. But these challenges happen every single day, constantly, relentlessly. And what it causes is it causes frustration, causes people to to, um, quote-unquote lose their grip, on reality and what it is doing is it is upsetting people who are ready to wake up now it is sometimes taken as an egoic badge of honor that I've woken up and they're all still asleep well, you've woken up, but we don't know for how long, and you've only woken up to a certain level, and to people who are really woken up, you're still asleep. 
So everybody's still equivalent. Everybody's still having the experience that they need. So, hey, no ego, no, park the ego at the uh, doors, at the um, at the two trees over there in an emerging forest. Um, there's no egos in here. So it's not the official explanation of, oh, it was a campfire. It, it, you know, which doesn't, you know, you basically look at the picture and you're like, what? <laughs> you're like, uh, this doesn't make any sense. But you say, oh, oh, well, I'll go back to what I was doing and I won't start questioning because if you do start questioning, you're going to see the next challenge. You're going to see the next challenge and the next challenge and the next challenge after that. And pretty soon you're going to see the entire fabric of the society that you may have believed in very strongly fall apart in front of your eyes. And you're going to see it replaced by something else. What you're going to see is something that is malleable in the person who can make it flow and make it change is yourself. becomes a direct challenge to you, to me, and it is my direct challenge to myself. Now that I know the power that I have to affect change, and now that I know the level, the very interesting nature of the world, the possibilities, the breadth of the bandwidth, the spectrum of what can be achieved, even though I don't know anything at all, the possibilities are just incredible. My willingness to sit in front of my wall, my willingness to sit in wait until the doorway opens my willingness to be patient with others and help them to understand that they can sit in front of the wall and wait for the doorway that they're wishing for to open. My willingness to do those things is I don't want to say limitless very much Increased. And now that I have a solid mechanic for improving the number of customers that I have in my business, I'm I'm very encouraged. Believe I have a method for affecting change, and I know that I can affect 
sizable change by being obstinate. So I want to talk about in the few minutes remaining, I want to talk about personal fear of change. And if you look at who you think you are, and then look at who you who you think you are and what you're able to do in a day and what you're able to affect in a day. And then you look at the beginning of a vision, pardon me, beginning of a vision of what you want to do. And who you are, what you can do now. When you look at beginnings of this vision you're holding, and you're looking back at yourself and you're saying, looking at this vision and looking at myself, and the person that's going to have to change is me. And that's terrifying. You don't want to change. You want to be yourself. But you will be yourself. You'll just be yourself in a different perspective. And for me, being myself 10 years ago, is that enough time? Yeah, being myself pre Pre-2014, it's a completely different individual. Or even, you know, laughably two weeks ago. Because that's how fast change happens for me. I don't think at all like I did two weeks ago. Uh, something good just happened for the Chiefs. Because once you start to have the reality slip from in front of your eyes, change happens very quickly. You're able to accept and be flexible. Whereas you were just pedantic. Oh, Telling us here is it's got to be right, doesn't matter, it has to be right. Just worship their illogical explanations so that like, we can maintain our allegiance to this society viewpoint and the society way. Because otherwise, you're scattered. You can pretend like you believe what everybody else believes, but you're scattered. 
and you have you have the responsibility for understanding things in your own way. Not in a factual way, but in an intuitive This is a very strange circumstance to be living. Because the reality is craftable. And the reality is craftable by yourself. It is crafted by yourself. But then you can craft it yourself. You can actually build the reality. And there's an interplay course between big I and little I in the crafting and the circumstances and you can't always get what you want. You get what the I needs, the big I needs. But this this world and the things that are going on in it are more interesting than any book possibly. They are stranger than anything any science fiction writer would think about writing down. Because they sort of have to have a hero and they have to have a story to write about. And nobody would read this story. They would just say this person is completely insane. There would be no there would be no connection. There would be no ability to connect to this. This is why the the, the road of disconnection is is filled with disaffection. It is filled with people who lose their lose their way and fall out society. Just, just looking back at my my read of Fallout is pretty funny. Thank you, everyone. Last week I kind of celebrated my second anniversary in the commencing of the voyage into the third year of shows on this show called An Emerging Forest. For in weeks to in week in weeks to come I can have uh, some guests on. But I have really, really been working very, very hard uh, to get my business up and running. And I have made some huge strides. Huge, huge strides. Because when you get a customer coming once or twice and immediately the first time they're there, they want to put a deposit down for the second visit. And then on the second visit, they're handing you a large bill, a large um, American currency note, and they want to put that into their account. English not gets it. Get it. Hi, who's this? 
Hi. Hi. Hi, who's this? Hi, it's Nicole. Hi, Nicole. How are you? Hi. I was just tuning in. I don't really know what the show's about yet. Oh, you just tuning in to listen? No, I don't know what the show's about yet. What is it about? I mean, is this a psychic show? Oh, no. This is a... Uh, basically, I talk about life and about... Uh, um, how, uh, I mean, tonight is sort of about uh, your passion and uh, creating your universe and uh, and things like that and uh, basically being challenged by society to become an individual. And, you know, you be challenged by society enough and you, you basically, like, well, gee, uh, that doesn't make sense enough. You basically have to go off on your own. I think monks call it like renunciation where they walk mm-hmm. away from the world because it just doesn't make any logical sense to them. Yep. So, um, I'd like to, I'd like to talk about, I'd like to engage you in conversation. I'm, I'm really, I'm really sort of in the last six minutes of my show, but if you want to, um, talk about something or say, uh, you know, you have a, a need or a concern or something, uh, the reason why you called up, um, please tell me and we can talk about that for a few minutes. Well, I'm moving soon. Okay. I'm on the list for Catholic Charities to move me somewhere. You're waiting for who to move you? It's a program called Catholic Charities. They pay for like all the things you need when you move. Oh, okay. Like new chairs uh, and tables and things. Oh, okay. So do you know, um, so basically that's who you work for? No, I'm just kind of pouring in their program. Okay. Um, so are you do you know uh where you're do you know how far you're moving or you have the move all planned out or something? I'll be moving within like the same city. It's winter time right now. Oh, okay. It'll be winter until May. And um Okay. Today there was so a big you, storm. You live in, oh, so you live in a, a pretty cold place. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. What uh, what state do you live in, if I can ask? New York. Oh, okay. So you're in uh, you're in northern New York somewhere. Uh, Eastern, I think. Oh, okay. Well, I was my birthplace is Syracuse, New York, so mm-hmm. I'm kind of familiar with uh, with New York State and its lake effect and uh, things like that. So I think there was I, two feet of snow. Oh, there's two feet of snow up up by you. Well, I all I can say is uh, folks up by you are kind of uh, professional about snow, and uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to slow you all down now, does it? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No plows and salt trucks, <laughs> you know. Right. I, I mean, down. I, I'm outside of. I'm, I'm in the Philadelphia area, and uh, snow is as an excuse to take two weeks off because it's just a paralytic event. 
Mm-hmm. I'm. I. What do you what do you want to hear about? I mean, do you have some concerns about your move? Uh, do you have uh, other concerns? I mean, moving is always a very. Uh, I mean, you're moving. Well, what? I was getting pretty emotional about this moving because it took me a year just to get into this program, and it's been taking two months since then. But it took a whole year just to get in. But I've been so fed up. I was like, I'm gonna just die if I don't move. And I was, like, so set. Um, but I talked to some people, and they're like, well, March is not that far away, and we think you're moving in March. And it's also my birthday in March, which is cool. Okay. So it's basically like, a program I, that you – it's a program that you get into that will move you um, – in some kind of particular housing from a particular place to a particular place? Yeah, it kind of really helps because they will look for the apartment and I don't have to. And they'll find me a place and I'll go look at it and then I can move in. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I, I, so it's basically uh, uh, an apartment hunter service. Uh, and they find every they do all the legwork and find the house that's going to cost some uh, that's going to meet your specifications all, all along the line, including price, right? Yeah. I've had to find my apartments. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that I guess that's a lot of that's a that's a relief to have someone else doing that for you, right? Yeah. It really helps because, like, I wouldn't have enough money for what I need, like a couch and a chair and a a table and dishes and microwave, but they'll give me all those things. And that really helps, pots and pans, silverware. But, like, you know, I only need to buy a few things, like bed sheets, and they they give me a bed, too. Um, That's real expensive. And, like, I just buy daily things or things I like or whatever or, you know, other things. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds, I mean, it's, uh, for me, uh, thinking about where you're living um, and thinking it's almost the end of January, um, you probably wouldn't want to move until it was a little warmer out, right? Or are they or they're going to do all the moving, right? They're going to do all the moving. I okay, would so move at any just... time. I want to move right away, and I just can't. But it's going to snow until May. Oh. Oh, you just can't because they're they don't have they don't have you know the doorway's not open. They haven't found the place, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, right? Mhm. Um. Well, I, I, I sincerely uh, wish you the best of luck in in your move, and um, is I mean, are there any uh, are there any details or, or specific things that are causing causing you stress in the in the move, just besides the weight? Uh, there's always a problem with neighbors. 
like everybody's like, oh, there's a problem with neighbors. And I was always told by a friend that I should buy an IP camera so it's on when I leave the house, the apartment. I was like, that's uh-huh. a perfect idea. And I screwed up my time on cables or the spectrum, so I couldn't get Wi-Fi and the IP camera wouldn't work. So I got kind of upset about that, but, you know, like they came in and broke my furniture and put holes in the walls. And your neighbors. they do stuff. Yeah. So your neighbors actually enter your apartment and do stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And and the only way you can um, actually have evidence of that is to to have it recorded because no one's going to believe you that somebody else did it, right? Yeah. Like when they break the couches and the chairs and stuff, I have to maybe report it to the police because if I didn't, then the Catholic charities might say, well, we aren't going to give you a new couch because you broke yours. So I like have to report it and stuff. So, I mean, do uh, I guess the, you're you're leaving the question open? I mean, do you report it to the to the, to the police? Do you have a a a police report as a result of that? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start. Yeah, it's interesting. That would be uh, that would be a big step forward to actually have a, uh, I mean, even a uh, some type of remote camera. Um, maybe not even hooked up to your computer, but just some type of remote camera that's recording uh, recording somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really I'm really sorry that you're in a situation where uh, where other people are are being so impolite as to uh, to come into your place and uh, and do that. Yeah. And, like, dealing with these kind of neighbors, they're kind of really ignorant and, like, I can't even deal with that. I'm so, I'm, like, a really upbeat person and smart and stuff, and these people are so ignorant and stupid. that Having to deal with them, like, I'm not going to go fight with them at their door or whatever because this is so stupid. They're so stupid. They're, yeah. I don't know, they're just, you know, I can't deal with that. It, it makes me feel stupid. So is there any, there isn't any, I mean, they're coming in by your, by your door? Yeah, they just walk right in the door, like they have a key or something. Oh, they have a key. Yeah, huh. I don't know what it is. I've tried changing the locks, and it's been so easy for them to get in. Like. Wow, but they don't do it when you're there. Well, when I'm sleeping... I've woken up to someone sitting in my living room or in my kitchen getting something out of the fridge. And I've woken up to that and people in my bathroom and stuff like that. So they're when I'm just in another room, you know, or asleep. Like some people say, well, this, well, now my door is not a code. It's I got some glass instead of, like, being a plain door. And my dad was like, "Uh, (coughs) you need to call a cold enforcer because anyone can break that glass, come in here, kill you, rape you. And I'm like, well, it doesn't concern me because the neighbors have broken it. 
on Thanksgiving. They break it every Thanksgiving, and it'll be freezing in here while the glass is broken, but the landlord will fix the next day. But I don't know. It's not up to code, and like stuff like that shouldn't be happening. I agree. So you're basically saying uh, enough is enough, and I want to move right away, right? Yeah. Like, enough was enough, like, the very first minute I got in this place. And it took a year. I was really upset that it took a year to get in their services. And I still don't have their full services because I haven't moved yet. Mhm. So there isn't uh there isn't so you you filed police reports and there isn't any uh there isn't any way to get uh relief or to be somewhere else immediately because of the situation. That's why I was so upset and laid down because it took so long, but now that it's not mm-hmm. going to take too much longer, I have to really get back up and say, it's not going to take that much longer. You're going to be fine. It'll be a move soon. Mm-hmm. And I have plans for the future. I have a little more money due to this Catholic charities having paid half my rent if they do when I get their services. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I have to pay off the time on cable and get that Wi-Fi and that IP camera for the new place so it never happens again. And, you know, that's security right there. That's security. That's your security. Not like a dog, you know. Some people say they want a dog and that big dogs aren't allowed and they should be because what's happening to those people, but I don't know. I wouldn't want anyone to hurt my dog. I have a dog right now, but right. I have, like, other people's dogs. I'm a dad's dog, you know. Right. But, yeah, I have plans for the future of how this can go better in the future. I'm really – I definitely look forward to how to fix things all the time. Mm-hmm. But when there's nothing I can do, I was just so down. There was nothing I could do, and – for like a whole year. I still kind of feel that way, but I just have to look forward to how I'm going to move. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I, I hope uh, I hope this connection uh, helps you. Uh, it's always good to talk to somebody and uh, move some things around in your mind. So... Thank you. Thank you so much for, for calling. Um, I wish you all the best in your move. I hope everything goes smoothly, and I hope uh, you're able to uh, get to a uh, situation that um, has a lot more security and safety in it for you. Yep. I'm going to, um, I'm going to put you back on listen mode, and I'm going to... Um, wind up my show. Um, thanks again, Nicole, for calling. And, uh, you know, the police are there to come out and uh, help you and call them as many times as you need to. 
and uh, do the best. And uh, as always, uh, do what do what your intuition tells you to do. All right. All right. Good night. Night. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Nicole, for calling in. My name is Alan Ritter, and I host a show called An Emerging Forest. And I know that um, Nicole is going through some hard times, that she perceives going through some hard times. But hard times are um, very fertile in what they give you. And they give you lots of gifts that you don't understand until years later. And I certainly look at my to- my hard times, and they were um, pretty hard. And um, they have been extremely fertile. My name is Alan Ritter. My contact information is R I T T E R. Period. A-L-A-N-8-8 at gmail.com. My Produce Club is on Facebook at produceclub.us. And if you want to be on the show to share your story, email me. If you want to um, talk about the Produce Club, email me as well. Have a great night, everyone, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. 